Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tommy is about to books. One, two, one, two, three, four. A miracle tour of misguided I am your host, Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. Um, Welcome, Sydney. I hate to even ask. Yes, go on. I, okay, I'm going to. Here we go. What? Why? Why are you talking like that, Justin? Sid- Sydney, I have become vampire. I am now vampire. A child of the night. You're you're a vampire now? I am vampire, please. <laughs> in the tongue of my people. Vampire. In the in the tongue of in in vampire language. In what language is vam- that that vampires vam- speak? It's actually vampire language. It's very good. Vampire language, I am vampire. This is true. It's very confusing. Our favorite basketball player is Bill Vlambeer. You're probably wondering. Uh of uh, I'm a vampire. I'm a vampire now. Vampire. Right. So vampires, their language is derived from the Count on Sesame Street? Is that... It, that is a racist stereotype. I am a true vampire. A nice guy at the park bit me. <laughs> and he said I would have life eternal in the dark shadow of the moon of Dracula. Are you like, are you like Blade? Like, because I saw you earlier today. That was in before the, like, the trans- in the light, before like the transformation. Yes, I. Uh, those were. I prefer not to think of those fragile days. Now that I am a child of the night vampire. Are you gonna bite me? No, you are safe unless you want my gift of life eternal. Nah, I'm good. Do you know? Some other way of obtaining this eternal obsession? I do, and I'd be happy to share it with you under one condition. E- or I'm sorry, one, one condition. Anything, <laughs> ah, 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 ah. e- my dear. <laughs> you must only ask it and it shall be yours. Okay, you can't talk like that anymore. <laughs> that is the one thing I cannot do. <laughs> you have to stop. Legally, you have to I stop. I will make a grave it's effort a- for you. It's a copyright infringement, I think. It's Halloween now, which is Vampire Hanukkah. And so I will grant this one gift to you, my flesh bride. Yeah, I think it's a Van Helsing copyright infringement to talk like this that. This is perhaps <laughs> true. Sydney, uh, tell me about immortality. Apparently, uh, some of you are still going after it. You don't have to give to the vampire child of the night. 
uh, maybe you you know some other ways that we've we've tried for. Well, it, it, it's absolutely true, Justin. I think that you know this is it's it's not quite a medical topic. Maybe it is medical, but it's really the heart of medicine, right? Like we we came up with the idea of trying to make people better so that they wouldn't die, really. And so it makes sense that there would be an underlying pursuit to just kind of stop that altogether. This is medicine's cheat code. <laughs> right. You're just skipping to the end. Right. You're putting on God mode and you're, you're, uh, you're, you're skipping all the diseases and stuff and just going straight for the, the well, for the obsolescence. Forever. I mean, let's call it what it is. And uh, to be fair, I, I want to talk about immortality, but I, you have to kind of talk about like anti-aging science um, and that kind of thing as well, because I, you know, at the at the same time as there are many people even today who are still seeking a way to allow humans to live forever, um, there's also the realization that as of yet we haven't achieved that goal. Right, we haven't gotten there yet, which is easily provable. As far as we know. Well, right, or perhaps we did have the answer at one point, and it was lost to the annals of history. Another possibility. So wait, wait, wait. We did have the answer and it was lost, but that would mean that like there's somebody walking around who's been alive for like a really long time and just didn't tell anybody. Yes. His name is Ross Perot. <laughs> that was your Ross Perot joke. Perot Eternal. So that was I think that was really good right for the target demographic that we're aiming for. Sure. The the Ross Perot jokes are really gonna hit home with them. Yeah, I think that the time is ripe. What are the eighteen for, to twenty five year olds are all about is that Ross Perot? Alive? I don't know. Yeah. Sue me, Ross Perot. Come you, for me. Come at me, bro. You're not old enough to have voted for Ross Perot, right? No, no. I, I was Are not you a, sure? I, as far as I know, I have not voted for Ross Perot. I have a shoddy record I know from how my you, younger years. But. I, I know. I know how you are with third party candidates. <laughs> Sydney, tell me about it. Immortality, so, I'm ready. The table is set. So let's talk about, like, from the scientific standpoint, there, there are sciences of, I don't want to say immortality, but, like, the idea of extending life indefinitely so for some longer period of time than we already live there's life extension science there's anti-aging science um gerontology or biomedical gerontology or experimental gerontology are really what we're talking about gerontology is kind of like the study of of aging and all the things that come with aging and and then we're we're kind of veering into the realm of the unknown with like experimental gerontology um you know the whole idea for this is based on that there is in a sense immortality in nature really Rock, yeah roll rocks rocks do, honey do you yeah. think rocks are alive uh okay that was a misguided point why don't you say the thing you were gonna say and maybe that'll be different than rocks <laughs> i was gonna say the immortal jellyfish oh right right did you know that there's an immortal jellyfish is it rock shaped I guess jellyfish kind of look like rocks with legs. They're like gushy rocks. Gushy, gushy, translucent rocks with legs. Basically. Science short, show. Scientists say, <laughs> scientists agree, jellyfish are gushy rocks with legs. <laughs> There's an immortal jellyfish? Teratopsis nutric nutricula. It, um, so I guess one of the like immature phases of a jellyfish maturity, I don't know growth is a polyp stage and this jellyfish can continually return back to the polyp stage and then become a jellyfish stage over and over and over again 
uh, ostensibly forever. I mean, of course, it's not immune to like disease or injury, but it doesn't age, just regenerates forever. Hmm. There are also some planaria worms that can do this kind of thing. And um, hydra and bristlecone pines, so you've probably seen a pine tree. I have. With that. The, these are creatures that, while again, susceptible to, I mean, you know, if you cut down that tree, it's not going to live forever, but they don't age. Their cells don't age in the traditional way that we think about it. Think about ours. Hmm. And on a larger sense, like bacterial colonies would represent this as well, but then we're getting into multiple organisms, so not quite the same thing. So how do we start chasing it, Sid? So as far back as uh, the ancient Greeks, that's where everything starts, right? They all, yeah, Those they Greeks. started trying to figure things out. They, they didn't really get much right, but they at least got the ball rolling. Yeah, they were thinking a lot. It must have been a pretty awesome place because they had a lot of time to sit and think about stuff. Mm-hmm. So the philosopher Empedocles um, came, you know, we, we already had the idea that we were made of the four humors, right? Blood, phlegm, black bile, yellow bile. You mm-hmm. remember that. We've mentioned that before. Well, he kind of thought that these were based on the four elements, earth, air, fire, water, and that we're all kind of made out of different balances of these four elements. So like, for instance, examples I found is that a flower has a little more wind and an ox has a little more fire. Sure, right. That doesn't sound made up, old timey dudes. (laughs) Don't worry, your secret's safe with me. You can see why you would think an ox has more fire, right? Right, because he's so, is, is irritable. I probably he hates red. Hey, there you go. That's a bull. Oh well, that's not an ox. Bulls are oxes. Oxen? No, I'm pretty sure they're not. Uh, we'll never know. <laughs> no, somebody's gonna tell us. It's been lost to history. <laughs> um, the aging process was thought to result from an imbalance of these four elements. So the reason you needed to keep them in balance is that there are two opposing forces in the universe. I kind of like this idea: love and strife. Hmm. Keeping your elements, your humors in balance will keep you closer to the love side and you live longer. Um, the clo- the l- less balance between those four humors, the closer you are to strife and then you die. You age and you die. Um, which is interesting because if you think about it, they were kind of hitting on entropy. You know, the idea that things fall apart, everything mm-hmm. leads to disorder. Wow, old dudes, you almost got one. Yeah, well, a lot of the things, you don't give them enough credit. A lot of the things they're saying are kind of right, just for all the wrong reasons. Okay. It's like an end ju- ends justify the means kind of thing. That didn't keep me out of traffic court, but I guess we could extend that to the <laughs> to the ancient Greeks. Why not? Except for the ox and the fire thing. I don't yeah, know that was a little much. Um, generally, as we look to like the history of anti-aging and uh, longevity medicine and, and immortality, from like the 16th to the 18th century, all efforts were made at like preserving life in the older ages as long as possible, right? So like you would get to like your 50s or your 60s or whatever, older even, and then be able to stay there. Well, I I think that's two prong, mainly because you don't believe that you will die until that point. (laughs) Uh, Up until then, you're pretty sure the death thing is gonna pass you by entirely. Well, that's true, I'm never gonna die. Yeah, me neither. No, I'm gonna die. 32, I've accepted it. You just wait, give it a couple years. Oh, you're a vampire now. I am vampire. That, that it's which true. sustains me. No nope. longer sustains me. There yeah, you go. Right. Yeah. So they uh, were were they valued old age. They thought that your golden years were um, an enviable period of life. Like that was the time when you were smarter and you'd experienced a lot. And they actually 
um, saw like your decrease in uh, in sexual desire as a positive thing because then you could like focus on logic. <laughs> you can focus on pretending oxes have fire in them. <laughs> you can think a lot more because you don't want to do it. Sure. Okay. So they, you know, that was the goal was how can we get people to get, get real old and then stay real old for longer? <laughs> Preserving our most valuable resource, the olds. Which is um, echoed in uh, Luigi Cornero's book, The Art of Living Long, written in 1550, basically said something that you could probably still apply today. Just all things in moderation. If you do that, you could ostensibly live forever. Well, at least until 98. That's how long he lived. It's a good run for that time. Yeah, it's it really run. is. It really is. And he he actually um, he came up with this theory when he was thirty five, and he was not in good health. He was he was very ill, and he said, "You know what? There's got to be a way to maintain your vital energy." That was kind of the the concept was that uh, you need this energy, this force to make you grow. You know, when you're a kid, like it's the energy that makes you get taller and bigger and age and that you need to hold on to that and the longer you can hold on to that and control it the longer you live when you lose it you get old and you die well that okay that makes sense well it doesn't but (laughs) (laughs) i mean it has nothing to do with why you why you die but he thought it did and he thought that you could maintain it with diet exercise and just don't indulge in things you know don't drink too much don't eat too much um get a decent amount of sleep and i mean things that we tell people today and he lived until he was 98 doing that not bad not bad Ouija. but but again his focus was you know he was happy to be 98 he was happy to be 97 and 96 He, he had no desire to turn back the clock and feel like he was 35 again uh, yeah, but it was everything was boring because he didn't do anything fun. Not that there was anything good to eat back then. They didn't have anything. They didn't have super donuts. I don't know. His name was Luigi. I believe that I read he lived in Italy. If if I didn't read that, I'm gonna say it's a fair guess. Yeah. There's some good stuff to eat there. I I in the 1500s though. I'm not so sure. I think I it was think all pos- just leaves. This is not the history of food, but I'm guessing pasta was around. We'll never know. Again, somebody's going to tell us. Um, This is in comparison to later efforts against uh, aging in the 19th century and then beyond where it wasn't enough just to live forever. They wanted to get young. They wanted to get fit. They wanted to get like Bieber. Yes. That was the quest for Bieber is what this age is called. (laughs) That's prescient of them if you think about it. (laughs) The Bieber quest era. When it was again, we keep saying this uh, quest for Bieber. What does that, what does that mean? Why do we keep saying that? To I each don't other? know. I thought I thought you knew. No, I I had no idea. Daryl said uh, we should call it the quest for Bieber, and I said sure. Why that, not? That's so weird. I heard it from Steve. Okay, there's something up. Uh, so yeah, it wasn't enough just to live forever. We wanted to be young forever, and then we started trying to um, turn back the clock. You know, how can we make ourselves uh, not just still alive but young? Um, because this is the same time where we start to link the concept of aging and disease. Okay, okay. So we see a lot of our treasured old people getting like Alzheimer's, for example. They wouldn't have known sure. that uh-huh. that was called, but you know, old people diseases, rotting flesh, and that kind of thing. Right. Well, and I mean, you know, um, at the time we wouldn't have understood very well cancer, but 
cancer is certainly a disease we associate more with elderly people. I mean, it can certainly happen to younger people, but um, we knew enough to know that there's something happening to people as they get older that probably doesn't happen to you when you're 10. And so, you know, whatever makes us get old also makes us get sick, maybe. Hmm. Um, and, the, you know, I know this sounds like really obvious now, but it wasn't at the time. And so the idea that, uh, you know, if we c- it wasn't just a loss of energy that was the problem. There are also changes in our body uh, that make us age and then that make disease inevitable. So it's not long, you know, you can't just stay alive forever because the aging process itself is what we've got to fight. Does that right. make sense? Right. If you get to, I mean, you're with each year that you manage to stay alive, you're actually increasing your chances that something, <laughs> I mean, it seems self-evident, but you're increasing your chances that something will kill you. Exactly. No, and that, and, and that was not a known concept up to that point. You know, the idea was that there was no difference in your health when you were 98 or when you were, you know, 28. But then we realized we were wrong. It seems unlikely. I mean, it seems obvious to me. I don't know. I mean, I'm in the 21st century. You know, everything's so easy now. I didn't have to figure this stuff out for myself. Well, it does. And it really, as you read about this, a lot of people have talked about how um, these efforts echo a changing attitude towards um, the, those years of our, our golden years towards the elderly and towards becoming the elderly ourselves. Um, it was There was a long time where it was a, you know, it was a mark of your uh, wisdom and your uh, life experience. And, you know, to, to be elderly, people wanted to be around you. They wanted to learn from you. They wanted to, to know what you knew. And then there was this shift where we suddenly didn't, you know, value our elderly population as much. It just because we started associating them with disease? Yeah. Well, a lot of it has to do with that. We thought, oh, okay, when people get older, they can't think as well and they can't, they're not as strong. They can't do as many things. So they're not as useful and we need to fight that. Um, and it wasn't, this is not purely, this was not worldwide, I should say. Yes, efforts to extend life have been, you know, they span the the world but uh this is a largely western perspective well wouldn't it also make sense that we were that we had uh we were slower on the uptake just because we didn't have as many a wider range of subjects because people died a lot so many people didn't make it to their elderly years right well absolutely yeah yeah and and it makes sense that part of these the uh evolution of these ideas echoes the extended lifespan of people you know people are living longer and longer as we move closer to the current time Mm -hmm. and so we're seeing more of these diseases that makes sense yeah if you look at a time when the you know most likely cause of death was infection or trauma you know back before antibiotics and safety precautions and if we look at times of war and exploration then you wouldn't worry so much about getting old because heck if you if you lived long enough to get old it was a good thing yeah um but then as society becomes more industrialized and people began to you know be more civilized then it it changes so people began to um come up with different methods of trying oh Uh, uh uh-oh what's wrong i'm hold on honey i'm getting paged oh uh Sure, go oh. go ahead. We'll- okay, I, I got to take this, okay? I'll, I'll be right back. Yeah, we'll wait. 
Ryan, my co-host. How would you describe Throwing Shade, the podcast that we do? Well, Aaron, my my co-host, I would say that we take lady issues and gay issues and treat them with much less respect than they deserve because, let's be honest, we really don't have very much respect for each other. We don't respect anything. I don't, I'm not even wearing pants. No, I'm very ashamed of your body and mine. Hey, hey everything everything okay? Yeah, yeah, it's it's under control now. Um, one point of fact, I, I would, uh, you know those, um, those plastic spoons that come with like um, fast food meals mm-hmm. i just stay away from those just don't use those if you get just throw them away or better yet leave them in the bag just don't touch them but just for the next two or three weeks uh, so where were you uh i was going to tell you about uh the late 19th century french um dr charles edward brown Secord. tell me so uh in order to fight aging and to increase not just your lifespan but your kind of vitality to you know, return to a sense of youth. He advised that we crush animal testicles into some kind of powder or, you know, concoction and inject it into yourself uh, based on the idea that, you know, as you get old, your sexual desire declines. And so this could reverse it. Uh, how did he how did he study? How did he learn about the these things? Uh, he just injected him into himself. Perfect. Fantastic. Well, I, I mean, I do like that volunteer? spirit. Like, sure. Do, I know. like that. That it's a very sort of Bruce Banner, Doctor Jekyll thing. I'm into it. There was actually a product that um, came out of this called Spermine. <laughs> I bet you can't guess what's in that. I'm gonna say semen. That's right. <laughs> so it was a product made of calf's heart, calf's liver, semen, and then the surfaces of of different organs. Like I'm guessing animal testicles and stuff that were kept in alcohol. And they would like take cells from that and then you could inject it and it would return your vigor of youth. Okay. So it didn't. Yeah, well, no, yes. I mean, it, it's calf semen. But the <laughs> I'm no, sci- I'm no scientist, Sydney. It could have been semen from any animal, that's, really. Okay, that's true. Uh, this this kind of sparked this whole concept of um, like the sexual organs and um, sexual hormones as a way to reinstate youth and so uh in 1917 frank frank lidston started transplanting testicles into people probably animal testicles at the time including himself um he claimed it fixed his gray hair <laughs> so you would take the testicles of a younger person or animal and put them in yourself um I say, a younger dead person i say person because in 1919 ll stanley began transplanting uh he worked with a prison population Oh, God. And so when young prisoners would die, he would take out their testicles and plant them in older prisoners. That's terrible. Not only do you have dead people balls, it's dead criminal balls. He And he kind of, as far as I could tell from my reading, he really, like, wreaked havoc on, havoc on this prison population. Like, they just kind of let him do whatever he wanted. <coughs> Doc. Doc, I'm not feeling so good at Well, son, have you made peace with all those you did did crime against? Yeah, Doc, it's not that. It's just, um... Ooh, Doc, could you cremate me? Like, definitely, definitely, <laughs> definitely cremate me for sure. Absolutely, definitely cremate me. You don't uh, look that bad. No, I'm not gonna wait to die. Like, if you could just double make sure and just go ahead and cremate me now, that would be super great. <laughs> Thanks so much, Doc. I don't want my balls to end up just, in old I Joe. I don't want my balls to be in Joe. <laughs> that doesn't seem so big for my final request. Now, obviously, all the doctors at the time didn't have access to people 
that they could experiment on. So uh, there were other doctors who were using like baboon testicles and uh-huh. traveling the country and putting baboon testicles in people. Boy, I bet they were they were sure jealous of that guy that that, that stash of young balls. <laughs> uh, I mentioned young criminal balls. <laughs> my favorite indie band. It's a sweet gig. It's a sweet, sweet gig you got there, man. Uh, there was uh, John Brinkley, which we, we mentioned him in Patent Meds. I, I don't remember. He made some kind of wacky med, but he also um, got in on this uh, testicle transplanting debacle. Uh, he went to, I thought this was great, to the Eclectic Medical University. Is it really called that? Yep. The Eclectic Medical University in Kansas for three months. Seems legit. Three months. Then he opened a hospital and started doing goat testicle transplants. He made so much money. I mean, that was the thing. People were charging a lot of money for these transplants that he ended up buying a radio station that he could use to, like, challenge traditional medicine and and preach his gospel of, well, literally his gospel because he was also kind of a, a religious um, ah, well, that's, that's, fanatic. That's but. completely surprising to me. <laughs> uh, in 1930, he was drummed out of practice, so he just moved to Mexico and kept doing the same thing. Great. Uh, there was also a procedure invented, um, Dr. Steinak, called uh, vasoligation, where you would take the vas deferens, where all the, the semen comes out mm-hmm. of the penis, and rerouted it back into the body. Nope. No, so, thank so that you, you could keep your vigor. Now my pancreas is pregnant. <laughs> I'll listen, I'm no scientist. That's not how that works. And they did similar things in women, transplanting ovaries uh, from younger women into older women, um, doing injections of various hormones, and uh, and then even radiation. It is really interesting, isn't it, that the the and interesting and not surprising considering sort of what we've learned so far that the history of hunting for immortality is really the history, at least until the modern era, of men hunting for immortality for men, right? Absolutely. Well, and a lot of it, I think, predictably, centers around trying to regain your sexual vigor. Although, you know, to be fair, if my husband had goat balls, I probably wouldn't want to live forever either. (laughs) Please tell me you'll never get goat balls. That's my promise to you, Sydney. It was in our vows, don't you remember? I don't, but I'm going to watch the tape. To watch the tape, review it, review the tape. Uh, there are a lot of, as we move on through the 1900s, there were a lot of um, ideas that, a lot of them are just tossed around in theory. Um, nothing is done to try to explore them. And some of them you're, you've seen probably in sci-fi, like nanotechnology, um, cryogenics, which really isn't immortality because you're dead when you're cryogenically frozen. It's just that hopefully you will be, you know, when we figure out how to cure death, then we'll bring you back to life. Um, cybernetics, so Cylons. Sure. That's Cylons. Cybernetics Cylons is a study future. of Cylons. Right. Right. That's definitely true. And then like uh, mind to computer uploading. So if you can't keep the body alive, at least we can put your mind in a computer and keep that alive forever. Yes. Do that with me. Well, if I figure it out. If you figure it out, let me know, because I want to be in a computer. You mainly exist on the internet anyway, right? I'm basically just a computer already. <laughs> and then, of course, the you know the other things that we really don't talk about, but um, can be echoed in like the religious pursuits, like the Philosopher's Stone, or oh, sweet. Uh, the Fountain of Youth. Oh, okay. You know. You don't mean the Harry Potter I don't mean the Stone. Harry Potter Philosopher's Stone. Ah, all right. Um, there, were, there are certain sects of uh, yogis who seek... Um, immortality through different practices and Rastafarians and actually. Sid, I heard there are other sects of yogis that seek picnic baskets. Is that <laughs> I hear? <laughs> Only when they have boo-boo. 
the the agoris of India actually consume human flesh in pursuit of immortality. Mm. I'm not sure it's worth it. Now they only consume dead human flesh and people who in advance agreed to be consumed. So that's good. <laughs> I want to meet that guy. Uh, of all the ways, I want my body to be remembered. I definitely want you to eat it. Bury me in a nice <laughs> bechamel. <laughs> and then your tummy. And then your tummy. Throughout like the early 1900s, the 20s and 30s, there was a lot of concern for what are we going to do with our elderly population uh, as people are living longer. And this drove a lot more um, anti-aging research because the again the idea was like well we can't let people get old because then they can't work anymore and we're not going to be able to support them and and you still hear this by the way echoed today because what is one of our biggest concerns that all the baby boomers are going to go on Medi- uh, yeah, medicare, medicare and we're not going to be able to afford it this is the same thing they were talking about in the 20s and 30s they actually mm-hmm. made up statistics to say that 60 percent of people who are living in poor houses were elderly that was never true hmm. totally made up but it drove a lot of anti-aging research we started understanding why aging takes place, why cells have a like a fixed lifespan and they die, you know, cells die eventually. They can only divide so many times and they die and you can't keep them alive eternally. Um, we started coming up with diets and supplements that might fight that. So, I mean, and you still see this today, zinc or selenium or eating right or antioxidants, anything. herbal things, We're anything, desperate. you know, and there are surgeries, you know, cosmetic surgeries, facelifts, Botox, you know, whatever whatever we can do to keep people looking younger and feeling younger longer. In the 1990s, this uh, led to the uh, establishment of the American Academy of Anti-Age Medicine, or A4, A4M, and they say Aferim, I believe, is how they pronounce it. But the idea is that they're going to cure old age. And that's kind of the, um, there are many people who would argue now that um, our acceptance that we age and die is wrong and that we should continue to fight it. Uh, the most recent efforts in that have been like the, have been pushing like human growth hormone as an anti-aging supplement and a way to live forever. Uh, the, there's not good evidence for this. I wouldn't do that. And uh, again, they're using the same tactics as we've said before that we can't support all these elderly. So we have to fix it. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that nothing will come of that, but I feel sort of glad that there is a segment of the population that has their minds on this. Even if it's not our best minds, our best and brightest, <laughs> I'm glad there are some people thinking about it. Because if there's an answer, I mean, I would like to crack it. But Well, you're not alone in that perspective because um, Aubrey de Grey is a name you may have heard of. He no. set up the Strategies for Engineered ne- Negligible Senescence, which is now the SENS Research Foundation. He's, it's still working today. Um, their budget's pretty big. And... Uh, he's basically the idea is they want they think there are seven causes of aging they have a proposed plan for each one of them and they're going to cure aging and then essentially provide immortality he believes that there is someone alive today who's going to live to be a thousand Hmm. that's crazy well his ideas when challenged uh, uh, eventually the scientific community has said they merit at least looking into. Okay, well, let's look into that. So we don't think he's found anything reasonable yet, but we think that he at least merits consideration. Maybe knows the way to something reasonable. The only thing I will say is that I looked through his seven proposed plans, and I'm not going to go through all the different causes of aging because they're very scientific, and, and a lot of it has to do with just making medications well, and enzymes. Thank you for sparing me, dear. I appreciate it. <laughs> 
But one of the seven treatments that is essential to curing aging is curing cancer. Okay. A little bit of a hurdle there. So that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. We've had had a few people thinking about that for a while. Yeah. I think that you could have maybe a whole foundation on that. Maybe there is one. Maybe there are many. (laughs) Maybe look into that, Aubrey. Um, But I think my favorite anti-aging treatment uh, you introduced me to, Justin. Oh, yeah. My guy. Alex Chu is a gentleman who has found the secret to living forever. Um, Magnetic rings and foot braces are his main uh, products. He makes them at his house. And you wear them. And you live forever. He also created Gorgeous Pill. No, it is gorgeous. I'm not as familiar with Gorgeous Pill. It's just a bunch of herbs and a pill that will make you live forever and be gorgeous. And there's also um, the key, the chi, chi flush. Chi flush. There's also the chi flush. Again, it's like a packet of herb powder that you just dump in water and drink. Um, but he also, I think this is great. Alex Chu believes that the pinnacle of human excellence is Alicia Silverstone. <laughs> he wants to make us all as perfect as she is. And that he has also created a new race of superhumans with his products. And he is a prophet. Alex Chu, ladies and gentlemen, think about Alex. So wear those immortality rings. Take that gorgeous pill. Don't do those things. But they're out there. What are So it's 2013. Do we have anything concrete to go on? Do we know anything about living forever? N- no, not about living forever. We definitely live longer than we used to. Um, there are a lot of reasons for that. We've decreased, I mean, you know, through modern medicine, we've decreased uh, infant mortality a great deal and, you know, young people dying of preventable diseases and through antibiotics and the, our um, ways to manage trauma and accidents have changed things a lot. Um, certainly, we're still looking. There's some kind of compound resver- resveratrol, which is under investigation that we derive from, again, from like hydras or worms or something that lived really long. Mm-hmm. But uh, no proof for that. Right now, I would advise the same things that we have that probably our uh, our friend Luigi back in 1550 was saying, which is a reasonable diet, exercise regularly, uh, taking vacation, try to limit your stress. People love to say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess do things like buckle up and wear your sunscreen, and you know, and, don't do drugs. Um, and if you're approached by a guy in the park with uh with appear to be sharp teeth go take it give it a shot give it a whirl yeah if you want to live forever honestly the best advice i have is try to figure out how to become a vampire i think that's Um, i think that's just as likely as any of the other methods we have for immortality right now uh thank you so much to everybody who has been sharing our show tweeting about the show uh it it uh means means the world to us uh jameson brewster glad rags Mariah, Dave Fletcher, Whitney, Josephine, Katie, Angela Golf, Evan Clark, D.A. Cheney, Mia B., uh, Ruth Laverne, uh, Zemantic Dr. Lowell Ledfoot, uh, Emily Gaska, Meg, Chopped Up Johnson, Devin Woods, Sarah Rich. This is so much harder to do during Halloween because people make their names spooky. So I say things like Chopped Up Johnson, even though I'm sure that is not that person's name. We should make our name spooky. What's? Uh, I don't have a good one. Uh, and uh, thank you to those of you t- uh, reviewing the show on iTunes. Gosh, that helps us out a whole, whole bunch. Um, and it, I read it, all of them, and I really appreciate it. So please take really the time does. to review us or let you know, let us know what you think. Um, Unless yeah. you think mean things, don't tell me. Don't Just, tell don't, us. Don't tell me. Just, and uh, yeah. make sure to check out some of the other uh, shows on the Maximum Fun podcast. 
Network. We've got uh, Jordan, Jesse Go, Judge John Hodgman, Wham Bam Pow, One Bad Mother. My Brother, My Brother and Me. Risk. So many others. Go MaximumFun.org. Check them totally out. That's also where you'll find us next Friday for another episode of Sawbones. I'm Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.